With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to another edition of SEC Football and Beyond. It is Tuesday, December the 8th. We're almost uh, almost through this uh nightmarish year of 2020 we got like 23 days left i would say what could possibly go wrong from here but i don't want to i don't want to tempt the 2020 gods I want to just kind of press on i'm neil mccrady chris landry with me as well we'll be with you for about an hour here and then we'll rejoin you on friday morning for another episode of sec football and beyond and preview an sec slate this week that does not include Ole Miss at Texas A&M, that game postponed. Ole Miss has suspended, Chris, all football operations through at least Friday. I don't like the word at least because at least indicates that it could go on even longer. It's one of the stories that I'm kind of keeping an eye on already here on this Tuesday morning with some 11 days to go before Ole Miss is scheduled to play at LSU. I'm, I'm beginning to sense the early stages of concern about that game. But we'll talk about that and a lot of other things uh, here on the show today. Uh, first, how are you? I am doing well. Um, I was uh, <clears throat> kind of dreading this time frame where we get to the point to where, you know, we can say we postpone it. Postpone it. Um, I, I'm, I'm leery about postponing. It's like eh, nobody wants to use the C word. But um, explain to me a scenario where we can play that game because we could play it next week. That means LSU Ole Miss doesn't get played, but we're running out of time unless they completely uh, go against what they said and somehow play <laughs> what on the 26th, whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's, we're, we're, we, we've, we know that the calendar, the amended calendar is the 19th. And so now we, folks, we can't have a postponed game, which we do, but we can't have it and still get it in unless we cancel the next week's game. So all 71-ish games, we're not going to get all of them in. We're, we're right now, safe to say we're going to be minus one at least. At least. And then there's there's another storyline at Vanderbilt about Vanderbilt yes. didn't play last week. I don't know that. And look, it's going to there, there's a convenient excuse and I'm going to piss some people off here, and so be it. That's what I do. Uh, there's a convenient excuse that that Vanderbilt might not get games in because of COVID. If you want to blame this on COVID, go for it. Have at it. That's cool. Uh, it, it's an easy thing to hide behind. Uh, their issue right now is not COVID. Their issue right now is is maybe the word mutiny is too strong. Uh, 
player unrest is not too strong. They, 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 they have, they don't have many players that are that are still engaged. And and uh, their game this weekend against Tennessee, I'm curious if it gets played. I'm curious if they make up the Georgia game. Georgia lost Senior Day on that last week. They'd like to do that on the 19th. So there's a lot here, and um, I don't know. But I tell you where I want to start, Chris. I want to start right there in Baton Rouge. There's three or four stories that I want to get to today. I know what you are good at is that you know everybody. You really do. You can you can be modest and say you don't, but you know generally everybody. You've got connections into just about every program. You're certainly connected with that LSU program right there in your backyard. LSU lost to Alabama 55-17. to 17. That score didn't surprise me. I wrote in my picks column on Thursday, the line was 28. I said, I'd lay 28. I'd lay 38. <clears throat> I said, hell, I'd think about laying 48. I knew Alabama had that game circled. I knew it was a mismatch. I knew LSU has some internal issues. I knew all of those things combined. I knew Alabama was going to line up and kick LSU's ass, and they did. But in the wake of that predicted ass-kicking, Eric Gilbert appears to be uh, on the verge of opting out and transferring, entering the transfer portal. Read a story uh, just this morning from Brody Miller of The Athletic quoting a source at LSU who said he's very, very homesick. What are we supposed to do about that? Basically, it's paraphrasing a little bit. Um, this is a football team that very clearly is not playing for its coach. One thing that stuck out to me, and I'll stop talking and let you have at it. The one thing that stuck out to me on Saturday night, so for background, uh, my son Carson had a soccer game here in Oxford on Saturday morning. So I went to that game, and at halftime, when that game ended, I got back home, and I turned on uh, Missouri and, and Arkansas. Turned that on, and they were playing uh, in the second quarter, and I was flipping between Missouri and Arkansas, Texas A&M, and Auburn. And what I saw in that Missouri-Arkansas game were two teams that left it all on the field. There was nothing left. You know, uh, Missouri kicks the game-winning field goal the last play, and you see some of the Arkansas kids just kind of sitting on the bench staring aimlessly into space. Those kids cared. Those kids left it on the table. Great game. And, uh, you and I talked about it. We said this is going to be an entertaining game. If you just want to pick a game to watch that you don't care anything about, this is going to be a good one. And by God, it was. Those kids play hard for uh, Eli Drinkwitz, and those kids at Arkansas play really hard for Sam Pittman. Can't, can't take it away from them. Texas A&M got a, got a body check from Auburn and then controlled the fourth quarter of that game in a way that had to make Jimbo Fisher it, – it had to move it, if you know what I mean. I mean, he had to be thinking, this is, this is what I want my program to look like. And it took a little while to get there, but here we are, it's like you said at the beginning of the year. And then that night, I watched Alabama LSU. And Alabama's offense is spectacular. Jones is terrific. Devonta Smith might be the best player in college football. I love Najee Harris. They're good up front. Their, their scheme is – Sarkeesian has a, a brilliant scheme. They're fun to watch. But what I saw on the other sideline was chaos. And as that game progressed, with some exceptions, I saw a group of kids that were just ready to get the hell out of there. <clears throat> and it kind of shows a little bit. Right now, here in the aftermath of that game, these rumors that a lot of guys, including 
Eric Gilbert, who was the big superstar cherry on top of the year that was last year, saying, mm-hmm. ah, I'm good. I'm out. Yeah. Um, I think you're hitting on something. I think what Neil's really hitting on is is a, a big overview as you're talking. How do I phrase it? Because there's so much in limited time, and there's a lot we, that I could address and go with. In general. How about it? I'll steer you. Go ahead. I, I think there's one thing that is probably not as understood, Neil, and I, I think you've been you've been around it, but a lot of people quite don't get this. When things go well, people think, boy, it got it rolling now. It's good. I don't, I don't think people realize how difficult it is to manage success. I've been a part of it at the college level. And I'll give you a quick example in the NFL. When I go to Houston, I'm with Belichick in Cleveland, go run the combine for a couple of years, get an opportunity to go to Houston. We inherit what was, it was a, well, the worst roster in the league because it had to be tore down because it's before the start of free agency. We go in and build it up into a team that went to a Super Bowl. And you think, man, you got it going. Neil and folks, you would not believe there was so much ego with people trying to take credit for the success. And I mean, to the point where we had a club president that was brought in to oversee things, which he just came in, had nothing to do with drafting any of the players. He wasn't even there. He he started the the summer of that year. And I'm going to get to what, what the, why is the hell are you talking about this? This is, this is the whole point. He was there. And, and I remember figuring the victory parade, which I, I, I didn't bother going to. I was so frustrated as we finished a yard chart with the Kevin Dyson play of who was a fight over the microphone. I mean, we're talking about 58, 62 year old men. Who's going to speak to the fans to get, the pettiness. Okay, so what does this really mean? It is why people don't give enough, enough. And I know you're going to say, what? This is all they everybody ever says. You don't know how good the Belichicks and the Sabans of the world are. And, yeah, I, I'm prejudiced in that. I've been around those guys. And, and I, you know, I would not have had, you know, my football background kind of grow the way it did if it not been for those two guys. You don't know how tough it is to keep, oh, Alabama gets all the players. No, Alabama doesn't always get all the players historically. They do it because of the focus of details and the constant don't rest on what you did today. Because if you're talking about what you did today, you're not planning on what you're going to do tomorrow. LSU, last year, there's no question they deserve all the credit you know, building what they did, it worked. And, and a lot of people can have a great day, a great game, a great season. But to sustain success is difficult. Everyone will throw it out as, oh, they lost all those players and they lost their coaches. We should have expected it. No. What you should have expected out of LSU this year, that they probably would have gone 7-3. and three. You know what I mean? Not as good. Quarterback's not as good. New coordinators, it's not as good. Which would have equated to a 10-3 and three season. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <clears throat> you know, 
what Neil's talking about is the collapse. This is a full-on free-fall collapse. Yes. What's happened? Why it's happened? Well, let's go back. And I know it's a little thing, but it is symbolic. What did we talk about? What did everybody talk about last week leading into the LSU-Alabama game? Remember when Ed was in the locker room saying, roll tide, what, bleep you? Well, that is, that's, you know, that's kind of, you can say certain things, but there was a feeling and a permutation through that program that, oh, we arrived. Did you see that? We beat them on their field. Somehow they got it in their mind that meant that they had arrived. You don't, folks, you don't ever arrive. In this game, it's the ultimate humbling sport. If you don't work your butt off today, then what you've done is all you're going to ever do, and you're never, and you're not going to sustain it because there's somebody else coming after you harder. And there was a belief that they had arrived because what what was the comment after the road tide bleep you was we're gonna beat them in recruiting, we're gonna beat them on the field. No, sir, you won the game. Yeah, and then you haven't. Oh, recruiting was it. He wrote, oh, well, we lost all these players. No, he wrote a big check with his mouth. and He and, sure did. And, he and, and, and let me just tell you what else he did. And, and again, this is whatever you – how you want to handle it. He made so many veiled and coded shots at Dave Aranda. Dave Aranda wasn't fired. He left to go to Baylor. But, you know, again, Ed. Now, personalities. Now, I, you don't always have to be like Bill or Nick, you know, how good your team's going to be this year. Well, you know Alabama's going to be good. I don't know. This team has to develop their own identity. Look, this team hadn't done anything, you know. You know, they they last year's, you know, Ed was, oh, it's great. I mean, he made the famous comments in the spring. This defense is already better than last year. You didn't have a spring practice. By God, you, how could you even have? You just, he talks everything like he talks recruiting. You know, hey, Neil McCready, how, how's the best receiver in college football? And then, you know, and he'll call and say, you know, um, oh, Joe, how you doing, man? Uh, AC video, I, how's the best receiver? You know, he's just, he's always on that. He's always a hype machine. Well, that permutates, there was a, he had decided he wanted Bo Pelini. He, that's who he wanted. He went out and got him. And Bo was the same personality. And I told everybody there, I said, you're talking about two guys, type A personalities. that are going to butt heads. It's going to be crash and burn. And what did Bo Pelini, Bo Pelini came in and from the very first day to the players that were on the defense, he basically said, hey, I'm here now. What you did means nothing. He basically diminished the great season that everybody had. And, yes, it was more about the offense. But let's remind folks, that defense did a pretty good job against Oklahoma and Clemson. Oklahoma and Clemson, they played pretty good situationally. So they had players on that team, quote-unquote, leaving early for the draft. And people say, well, they can't keep them. You know why? Because they were disrespected. They didn't feel like they were going to be given a chance. And that's that's all part of it. We're we're you're not good enough for us now. What you did, 
It's not worthy. And we're just, we're going to be at a different level. And it hasn't worked. The offensive, the passing game coordinator, Scott Linehan, hasn't worked. Look, we've been through this before. Ed hired Matt Canada. It was a disaster. Look, uh, give Ed credit. He he didn't find Joe Brady. Okay, Steve Insminger did. Steve, the 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 uh, LSU offensive coaching staff quickly wanted to improve, and one of the things they were told to do is, hey, let's let's study what the Saints are doing. No better staff offensive minds than right down the road, in New Orleans, seventy miles. So the staff comes in, and the guy that ended up running the clinic was Joe Brady. And Steve Insminger was so impressed that this guy can help. Now, Joe Brady was like third on the totem pole amongst just the, I mean, analysts and involved. That he, he said, we need to bring this guy in as, to help us. And Steve Insminger, with the close relationship with that, basically pushed that, got that hard, and it worked. And it was a great year. And you had a lot of great talent, and you had a great quarterback and leader in Joe Burrow. But this is what you have when you have a head coach that it is not strong on the offensive or defensive side, is not a great X's and O guy, and is just more motivator recruiter, then who he hires is going to be more hit and miss. Because usually the best head coaches are the ones that have become good coordinators because good coordinators coach half the side of the ball and there's no better evaluator of offensive coordinators than defensive coordinators no better evaluator of defense coordinators than offensive coordinators because that's who they study all the time and so ed's inability to create consistency is due to the fact that he's limited in some of the things he can do and the fact that he's created an atmosphere that quite frankly, was very laissez-faire. Would he kept mouthing off about they worked hard, they did this and that? Well, they hadn't worked. So everything you said, they lost a lot of talent. They're not as well coached, but they've got players. You said players are quitting. I got news for you, folks. There were players that have been quitting since before the Mississippi State game. And then you... So, hey, you let me ask you this. I'm going I'm I'm to yeah for a minute. Yeah, because I'm I kind of yeah. went where I wanted. There's a lot of there's a lot of talk from people around that program who don't really know how to get into it because it's getting into the PC stuff and it's getting into conversations that make people uncomfortable. And I get it, but in the summer when there was so much, for lack of a better word, civil unrest regarding race relations, yep, police brutality, uh, those topics that in this year in this 2020 that was a big part of the summer of 2020 there was a a march at in baton rouge like there was a march in oxford and a march in tuscaloosa and a march in a lot of places and ed orgeron wasn't there with the players he got called to join them and he did but i've heard from people close to that program that he lost a lot of guys in the summer and really hasn't gotten them back. They didn't feel like he had their back. I mean, here, you know, Lane Kiffin was, I don't know what Lane Kiffin's thoughts were, but his actions were, he was right there at the front with them. Um, you know, they wanted to, to uh, cancel a practice, and he said, all right, here's the deal. It's going to be two ways. Okay, we'll cancel the practice. We'll, this was on a Friday. We'll march to the square, and we'll do whatever. And But now look. Sunday was going to be an off day, 
and I'm getting my day back because we got a football season to get ready for at the same time. I, I, I acknowledge that that we're all humans with individual thoughts and opinions and rights, but we're also a football team. And at Ole Miss, that went over really well inside that program. At Alabama, you saw, hey, we're going to schedule this. We're going to do it right. And there's Nick Saban in the front of the line. At, at LSU, you didn't get that. And so what, what you had is you have this, this, this deal where he's lost his team. And I have a question, and I, this, is, this is where I want you to go with this. I've yet to see a coach lose a team and get it back. But you've been around it a lot more than I have. So, so moving this thing forward, let's assume that Eric Gilbert's leaving. Let's assume that at the end of this season, Bo Pelini's going to have to call a real estate agent. That's not going to work. Let's assume that, that Ed Orgeron obviously gets another year. And let's assume for the sake of, of our own sanity that next season is more, quote, normal, end quote, than this year was. Can Ed Orgeron turn this thing back around? I think the big thing to remember is what I talked about is judgment, decision-making from the head coach. When when you are maybe lacking in some of those qualities, then the decisions that are going to ultimately answer your question are up in the air. So my, my point is you're, you're correct on the whole – marching in the situation. LSU, like most, went to the White House. This was before the the you know the pandemic broke. I mean, so they went to the White House and celebrated. And, you know, just whatever, for whatever reason, you know, uh, Ed Orgeron and um and there's there's a couple of, you know, people in the Senate that 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 were close with Trump and you know, LSU guys. And so whatever they hit it off, Ed and Donald Trump. And I, you know, my understanding is that actually when the pandemic hit in the summer, it was Donald Trump was actually called Ed. And so it became like they were buddies. Well, I mean, I don't know if they were buddies and I don't think Ed knew how to deal with it. And, and so, you know, obviously if they, the president calls you take the call. Sure. It, you know, but I think what, again, what happened with it, he didn't handle it well behind the scenes to where you're correct. The players thought, whoa, 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 this guy's a hypocrite because this guy's love us, we're family and all that. And they obviously, regardless what anybody else thinks, folks, <clears throat> the players that you're recruiting and coaching, they're thinking completely different politically than maybe the head coach is probably in 95% of the cases. And and yet, you know, Ed was kind of, look, the, my understanding is that the players, you know, excuse me, that they didn't really want Ed involved in their market. They didn't believe that he believed them. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, um, I, I think he did begin to lose some of the respect of his team. And I, I don't think we ever saw it. You, then you throw in, like you always do, it's a chicken-egg thing. When you lose all the talent, you lose all the coaching, you got new people, and you got new people. trying. Bo Pelini's there to try to improve his image and get another bite at the apple with the head coaching job, He's which is nothing wrong with that. But he doesn't give a darn. 
if if Bo Pelini was the defense coordinator last year, LSU doesn't win a national title because he can't adjust and be eclectic like a Dave Aranda. Bo only knows one thing. And no, Bo hasn't got the defense better this year. It was just that it was so god off at the beginning of the year that it hadn't sucked quite as much in certain games. But that's only relative to the opponents that they're playing. Right. And what their capabilities are in the environment. Um, did they play a little better against AM than Alabama? Well, yeah, because AM's got two guys that can get open against coverage. Alabama's got a bunch. Okay. Simple as that. Uh, so now what you've got is a, a, a series of decision makings that are very questionable that haven't worked. And now to answer your question, you got a big time mess because on top of all this, there's NCAA investigations into the program, which they put their own sanctions on, which we'll see what the NCAA says about that. And also there's more serious allegations, which I don't, all I know is what I hear. I've got really good friends. My best friend is a professor and very involved in the athletic program that they're really concerned because what has happened in this whole, you know, sexual assault that I just keep saying the, the comments keep giving mention to me is Baylor Baylor. Yeah. Sounds like Baylor. Yeah. Sounds like our Baylor. Now I don't know. And I'm not here to, I don't, I'm not a rumor guy and this stuff. I don't know what happened, but there's an investigation going on. And so on top of all of this, this is, you know, they say by February, this, 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 uh, independent investigation will be made out. The, the group that's doing it's the same guy that did, um, that did the investigation into the dolphins when there was the, uh, the bullying whole bullying. And then, um, you know, the same group, I mean, I mean, it'd be like, like 400 grand to, to, that's a great job at lawyers get together and write a 700 page report. <laughs> and that's what the, so that's, what's going to come. And then what comes out of that? Well, we don't know. It's, it's, it's good. So look, I mean, it is not without question that there could be a firing down the road with cause. Um, the answer your question, can they fix it? Well, is he going to make the right, is he going to hit on the right hire? I, I listen, the only thing that's saving, I'd be reluctant uh, to work for him right now. Well, I, I think that would be true, but, but Scott Linehan is getting a pass. I mean, the, the Scott Linehan's best friend is Bo Pelini because Bo Pelini's getting beat up rightly. So, but Scott Linehan hadn't done a very good job either. And you know, you know, there's a lot of questions there. So you got some major issues in what's going to be addressed, how it's going to be addressed, how it works. You know, it's it's easy to say, you know, and people will do this is, oh, it's expected. It's just, you know, no, there's a lot more there. So this this is not just a simple love. Look, you lost some guys, you lost some coaches. They'll get it fixed, turned around next year. Uh, if it does and it's and he hits it right, it can happen. I mean, it can happen to answer your question just how likely i mean i would say the probabilities are low now i would say that the probabilities are that it won't be quite the disaster as it is this year but you know um there's the 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 
the talk that I heard yesterday with the few calls that I got was, uh, the Ole Miss ad has arrived. That was the talk within the athletic department. Ole Miss ad arrived. He, he's arrived. What do you look like? Yeah. And then, and you throw in that, the breakdown again, any one of these situations by themselves, eh, not the worst thing in the world, maybe a little, but all of it together shows a complete lack of composure, complete lack of understanding. The headset was a one thing, but let me give you this. If this doesn't put it in perspective, the question was, why wasn't Stingley on Devontae Smith? Well, I thought he was going to be. Um, Stingley came to me. This is Ed's exact quote. Stingley came to me at halftime and said, I want to be on Devontae Smith. That's a good idea. Let's do it. Say, let, let that sink in. Yeah. That the head coach is solely. Now, again, Ed is not a technical football guy, but you certainly have got to understand that. You certainly have to. And that's the problem. The coordinators and the coaches, <clears throat> a lot of them love it, but, but, but they don't respect his football acumen. So then that becomes when you don't really respect. And that's, that's the, was the problem with the Randa. Randa was very polite and respectful, but when, when Ed would leave the room, then Aranda did what he needed to do. And, you know, Bo will sit there and, you know, it'll, it'll be combative, combative. And you saw that it, it's not gotten better. It's got contentious, contentious, and everything with Ed is about how it's going to look, how it's going to affect my recruiting. And so he'll sit there and answer those questions and he'll say, we got to coach better. We're not really good. Well, you know, <laughs> the staff is saying, what the bleep do you know? You don't even know what we're running and why. And you're, and then you don't even know that Stingley's not on him. And it's like you throw your headset because you figured out we're not. It's like that's the level of this function that's there. And how do you fix that? Well, yeah, it's fixable. Everything's fixable, Neil. The issue is can Ed fix it? So let's I think uh, that's a big question. Let's switch gears. Let's go to another yeah. impending decision that uh, has to be made. And this one's at Auburn. Auburn loses to Texas A&M. 31 to 20. It was a much more respectable effort on the part of the orange and blue tigers than the purple and gold tigers had later in the day, but it was a loss nonetheless. And Gus Malzahn made a comment, Chris, that is probably going to haunt him. He said, Hey, you know, and I'm paraphrasing. It was a solid season. We've had a solid season. And you and I have talked about perception and reality a bunch. Where I'm different than a lot of people is I'm of the opinion, and I, I always do this in recruiting. If you're recruiting a kid and the kid thinks, hey, I'm three and done to the NFL, even if you think internally, ah, you know what, he's probably going to need more development time, blah, 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 but you want that kid, you've got to recruit him as if he's a three and done straight to the NFL guy because his perception, at least at that moment, is reality. So at Auburn, the perception of the Auburn fan base, and they fill up Jordan Hare, and they come to games, and they're passionate, and they love it. There are a few fan bases made up more of alumni and people close to alumni who love a place more than Auburn. And their perception is we should compete every year for the SEC title, 
compete for it. And we should be almost every year part of the national conversation. Now, you, Chris, can go, well, that's not realistic. And I, 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 I don't care. My response to that is you're not, you and I, even if we think, man, that's, that's insane. We're not going to change their opinions. Their opinions are are rooted in in love and connection and family and all of that stuff. And it is what and, it is. And their success up the road, down and, the road, but off the road. <laughs> Auburn has had <clears throat> Auburn has won Heisman trophies. Auburn yep. has won national titles. Auburn has played for a national title as recently as 2013, et cetera, et cetera. That is their perception. It might as well be reality. And when you look at where they are today. That's not where they are today. They they got blown out by Alabama. They uh, got blown out by Georgia. They they lost in pretty convincing fashion in the fourth quarter to Texas A&M. They had a stinker at South Carolina. They're very fortunate that they beat Arkansas, and yep. they're kind of fortunate that they beat Ole Miss. This, this season, and they still got to go to Mississippi State. <clears throat> but for the sake of this conversation, because I think if he loses in Starkville, it might just be too much. Let's say that they go to Mississippi State and win. They're a 10-point favorite-ish. Let's say they go to Mississippi State and win. Six and four Auburn. It's best win of the season probably at Ole Miss. Is that enough to save Gus Malzahn's job? And if you're the one making the decisions at Auburn, what do you do? Well, we were talking before we – I believe we were talking – I think this was before we, we clicked on. We were talking about leverage of agents. Gus has been, in my opinion, done at Auburn for a while. I know, I know that sounds weird. I, I just, my, my point is, is the only thing that saved him was the rumored interest, the perceived interest, the real interest, depending on degree and, and, and who it is at Arkansas in Gus. So what happened was a rudderless ship at Auburn at the time. There was nobody running it. There was, you know, basically the president, no athletic director. And there was a, there was a void at the top. And so they gave Gus a humongous contract. That's the only thing keeping him there. I think Gus is gone. Let me remind you, Gus was gone as soon as the LSU game when Les Miles was fired. That was loser go home game. You remember that? Go yep. back three years ago, folks. Yeah, that, sure. that, that Gus would have been gone. The only thing holding Gus there, the the, the frustration has been the same. I don't even think the people the people that that have made the decision to give him that extension, they were in a panic because the last thing that president wanted to do is hire a coach because he didn't know what he was doing. He didn't have it at the late. So the simplest thing was let's get this push to proof. And a lot of them, he had a couple of people that supported him. And most of the boosters said, hell no, don't do that. But he did it and he got it done. And that's the only thing that's the hanging by the thread. And he's been hanging by a thread for a long time. I think money is the only thing keeping him there. So the answer is, (laughs) <laughs> somebody wants to write the check. I mean, that, that search can begin tomorrow. Do you want to, I mean, it's easy to say, you say, Oh, they'll write the check when it's somebody else's money, you know? Yeah. You can give them the pen, you know, I, 
to me, Gus has been gone for a while. He will be gone. It's only a matter of time. I just don't know, you know, at this point, again, and we say this, what does the portfolio look for the people that are going to write the check? Do they really, are they motivated to write a check now? Or they just say, the hell with it. I'm going to wait. You know, I don't know. So I'm going to interrupt you. I hear that they are. Well, I think some are, but do they have enough? So, you know, we'll see. That's what I want to get into, though. What I want to get into, okay. we, we could talk about the games last week. The games last week were the games last week. I mean, they were played Saturday. You've seen them. You've, you've, you've looked at them. We'll get to the games this week on uh, on, on Friday. Uh, Grind is is uh, one of – he's an Auburn guy. He comes over to uh, our, our Oxford Exxon podcast all hey, the time. Grind. Grind's a great dude. Calls into our call-in show on Thursday night. Awesome guy. His uh his little uh, avatar there is uh, a little guy hurling rocks or bricks or whatnot. <laughs> he's, he's hurling bricks at anyone who tries to say that that uh, Auburn needs to keep Gus. So let's let's say <laughs> let's say that Grind gets his wish and that uh, okay. Auburn moves on from from Gus Malzahn because obviously if they don't, we can talk about that at another day. Uh, Rock Westfall says the problem is who are you going to get. I don't know that I'd go that far with the problem, but it is the it is not the problem, but it becomes immediately. Let's say you you move on from Gus Malzahn at two oh one on Sunday afternoon. At two oh two, it's no longer Gus Malzahn's issue. Now you got to find somebody who's going to come in and yeah. get you to that place. How attractive is the Auburn job in the coaching community today? Who, who are some realistic names that they could go get? And I'll throw one at you that I've heard already, and that's Mario Cristobal at, at Oregon. Would that be a fit? Would that make sense? For sure. Well, well um, first of all, I think Auburn's a really good job. I think it's a a really, really good job. And Ben, Ben Leslie, love you, man. You Looking for some love? I give you some love. Uh, you are the man. I appreciate all of you, Rock, Spartan, Bart, and all of you. I know we don't get to get to all of you as, as much as you should. Um, it's a really good job. I, I will say this. I've always said this. It's a really tough job eh, for obvious reasons. One, you're correct. They expect to – the other thing that I, I, I should – to give Gus credit, the other thing that's kept him alive is – he has beaten Nick a couple of times yeah. and that, I mean, you know, the money and cause if, if, if he doesn't beat him and then they don't even get to the point where they even pay him the money, but, yeah. it, but, but it's all together. I mean, you know what? So it's a great job, but in, in you, you're going to have to play Georgia every year. And it used to be where, you know, if you were Alabama, you'd say, man, I got to play Tennessee every year. Look how good they are. They're top of there. And they're not now they got to play Georgia every year and they got to play Alabama. And, 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 it's just of all the people that get compared to Alabama. And I mean, it's, it's LSU, you know, they have the inferiority complex to Alabama. Auburn does the little brother. We're not Alabama. We're Auburn. Well, you've had some success against that. That's pretty tough. Say you don't win those games. They get really ticked off at you. So, I mean, but those are two tough games that, Good luck anybody winning them. I mean, you can say that, you know, Georgia is certainly not where Alabama is, but they're pretty doggone good. It's a t- it's so in a normal year in a 12 game, I mean, 10 and 2 is a phenomenal season if you're at Auburn. And maybe you can go 11 and 1. But that means, oh, by the way, 
you always have to beat LSU. You always have to beat AM. You, you know, you always have to beat an Ole Miss and Mississippi State. And, uh, you know, if you end up playing a Florida, oh, yeah, you, you of course, got to beat him. Well, hey, good luck. Now, on, there's only one person that does that. There's only one school that does that, and that's Alabama. Consistently, we've just had that. So it's it's a tough job. I mean, it's a great job. The expectations are there. The money's there. You can, you can have anything you want, but you're expected to maybe be Alabama. Look, you can do it. Tuberville did it, but Tuberville did it when Alabama wasn't Alabama. I think it's a much better job when Nick Saban leaves, and maybe it's not as same Alabama. It's still very good. The other thing about Auburn is everybody's got their politics. You know, all politics are local. Everybody's got their unusual quirkiness. I don't think, I don't even know how to describe Auburn's quirkiness, and I don't know that many people are as quirky as Auburn. And what I mean by that, I don't mean to be vague, but, and it's changed, because, you know, it used to be the Bobby Lauder run program, but it's it's like different, but still kind of screwy, like, I don't know. It's kind of like maybe not that I've ever been there, but maybe it's like the conclave when they're selecting a pulp. You know, it was. It's like you know, it's like you know, um, Cardinal Responi and Cardinal. You know, they're they're meeting and they're gonna decide this, and all of a sudden it's. It's just, it has a weird tone to it that I don't know what they would do. Like normal protocol for, because I do a lot of coaching search. It's like off the radar what they want to do. It's like, you know, and and he did a good job, but he didn't sustain it. But they were hell bent. Gene Chizik's our guy. And there is nobody else we want. Okay. You know what I mean? Have at it. You know what I mean? It's like it's one of those things. Like, in other words, you think Auburn can do better because it's a really good job, but they tend to want a certain guy. All right, so let me throw a name at you then because you, you, you didn't you didn't take the – the uh, Oh, okay. You didn't take the bait on, on Mario okay. Cristobal. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I, let me I'll answer that. Here's yeah. one thing on Mario. Look, I've got a little concerned about him because Mario has been a guy that's been floated out as – Potentially for Texas, it's been floated out. Potentially as Nick. Maybe, maybe as Nick said, you know, we'll see, you know, see you. Sark continues to run these offenses and stays there for a few more years. Got to throw him into the mix. Who knows? Sure. I'm a little bit concerned about Mario. I don't want to be the recency bias, but man, big game performances hadn't been real good with him. It just. Um, All right, so let me get to another I, guy. I'm, 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 it, but but he certainly would be an interesting guy. Really good recruiter and can do a lot of damage and okay. one of the best assistants that Nick has had. And I think he's done a good job at Oregon, but but great job, I don't know. I, I would put him on the list, but I'd want to look at some other guys. Okay, so you know that I know a lot of people close to Hugh Freeze. Yeah. I'm told that Hugh Freeze has his eye on two SEC jobs. People that told me this would absolutely know. Hugh Freeze has his eye on Auburn, and Hugh Freeze has his eye on Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, two jobs that could potentially open up in the next ten days. I mean, and, we- and 
And let me jump in there and say, A, is you freeze? Does he fit the category? I mean, I, I could see this. Well, this I, could, I, could, I could see two guys all in on you freeze, and I could see boosters. And I could see two of them saying, no way in hell over my dead body. I mean, this is what I'm getting at. So would that be what they want to do? So my assessment, first of all, is there's a little bit of a um, – and I, I told this to South Carolina folks looking and, and I, I'm happy for Shane and that's great, but I'm just saying you, okay, you freeze is not for you. You probably gonna coach against him. And I think there is a little bit of that right now. And I think Auburn may feel like, let's say they are okay with Hugh freeze that they feel is their guy. Okay. They, they may think, you know what? Tennessee's probably a year away. Maybe we go get to go now, or and, well, LSU may be a year or two, you know. And does does that does that you know? I don't know that people are going to be like throwing their coaches over the bus to get you freeze. You've brought up something that I think is fair on you. First of all, you freeze fit. He drives Nick nuts because offensively, Nick Saban the the whole reason why he went out and got Elaine Kiffin is that he just was perplexed by what Hugh was doing offensively. And once he realized that the rules weren't changing and they weren't going to call those penalties of blocking downfield, I got to get me some of that. Okay. And, and you freeze is the main reason he gave him trouble. The issue is, and I think you would be good on that. You brought it up. And, and to be honest with you, the more you brought it up, the more I thought about it and I kind of went back and read the one thing about you, does you have that head coach touch, you know, putting the staff together, keeping the staff together, does he, can he, can he, I don't mean stay out of trouble for the, for the, you know, what reasons, but can he consist? I think they can recruit. Don't give me this. Why well, anybody can recruit at Auburn? No, picking the right players, putting the right staff together. Can he manage that as well? Running the offense, you got that fixed. Um, you know, I, you know, I think it would be a real interesting hire and I think it quite frankly, selfishly, I kind of like to see it. And I think it could cause Alabama a lot of trouble, but, but does it transform it? Does he have the, the leadership qualities to build a power at Auburn? I, I, you know, I, I think it's a fair question and that's what they would have to answer on him. To your point about that Auburn culture, and I covered Auburn as a beat writer for yes. years. I covered Auburn as a columnist for another four, at four or five, I lose track. Um, I, Auburn does look for a certain type of personality. Yeah. Auburn, Auburn does look like – they do look for people with Auburn ties. Now, Hugh had a daughter that went to Auburn for a little while. Maybe that's enough of a tie. I don't know. Um, but I, I, but Hugh, Hugh doesn't strike me as – Hugh strikes me as much more of a fit at Tennessee, just on the yes. than he does at Auburn because I know how Auburn is a little bit, and 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 Auburn, Auburn is you know like if you if you get a we took a visit to Auburn, my daughter and I did. She was looking at Auburn when she was picking schools, and 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 you know they they talk about an Auburn man and an Auburn woman, and they talk about they talk about the and I don't mean this disrespectfully at all it's just different they talk about the auburn creed and 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 all of that stuff auburn's different it's different you know and, and so i don't know 
I don't know that he fits there. And then I'm telling you, with Hugh, he's got to go someplace where the athletic – this is where I think actually Tennessee, if Phil Fulmer could stomach it, I think Phil could help Hugh. I don't know that this is an Alan Green sort of guy where you bring in Hugh Freeze. Can you help him put together the kind of staff that you have to have at Auburn to – to max out at Auburn. You got to have a great staff because you got to recruit at a really high level. You got to be able to go evaluate at a really high level. You've got to be able to get into Georgia and beat Kirby Smart. You've got to get down into Florida and win some of those battles that Auburn traditionally has won at like Dillard High School in Fort Lauderdale. You've got to be able to go to those places. You got to get, you got to recruit the hell out of the Mobile area, the Montgomery area. You've got to be able to step into Mississippi and get a player here and there, which is going to be harder and harder to do. It's it, it's a difficult deal. I think Tennessee's a better fit for him. And I don't know what's going to happen to Tennessee. I mean, I, look, I, if Tennessee and Vanderbilt play this weekend, and I don't know that that's likely, and we, we're going to get to that in a second, I don't know that that game's going to happen. But if it does, note to Jeremy Pruitt, you probably should try to win this one. Uh yeah no look um couple of things you're right that 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 Auburn family it's almost like you gotta it's almost like you gotta go there in the interview and and have a roll of toilet paper and say I just came from tumor school you know what I mean it's like you're right it's like and I yeah it's almost it's almost yeah that's a good way to put it almost religious almost yeah. like it's and it's almost like you have to have been there to come back. Like, you know, a lot of it is a lot of people there would say, I, I'd like Kevin Steele. Okay. You know, I mean, Kevin's a good coach and does that, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, you, you probably can get somebody that has more proven as a head coach, but the fit, I mean, I, you know, I, I think there are guys that would be a really good fit. You mentioned Steele. I can tell you that there are people at Auburn who would, <laughs> there are people at Auburn right now today. I can tell you this, Chris sourced. There are people at Auburn that right now today would love to just pay themselves on to go away and send the program to Kevin Steele. No, well, that's why I said it. I mean, because he's been there as one of them and he understands. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's what I said. People there, a lot of them would like Kevin. My point is that if you're Auburn, there's some really good proven coaches that, you know, if I were doing it, it would be different because I'm not doing it with the idea of you have to be the whole, I, you know, I, I got that when, you know, pushing Saban to go to LSU was, well, he's a Midwest guy. Oh, that BS. And you don't have to sound a certain way. It, you know, I mean, somebody that would be a great coach and would build a culture and would do things and be somebody like a Tom Allen at Indiana. He, he wouldn't be a fit. Probably wouldn't be a fit for him. Uh, would they go and, you know, strike the iron at, at Iowa State again and go to get Matt Campbell? I don't know if they see him as a fit because they didn't have the previous Auburn connect. I mean, it's things like that that very difficult. They're not difficult to project what Auburn's going to do because we know that's what Auburn does. But I think sometimes they limit themselves by the the job itself on the outside is different than on the inside, meaning – it's a really good job, but they have some <clears throat> they really are unique about who they want. So I think that would have the other thing I'd said, Philip Fulmer ain't hiring you freeze. It's gonna be somebody has to force Philip to hire him or they're gonna have to fire Philip. Cause that that's a 
that's not, they don't, Philip doesn't like you. And it goes back to recruiting and all that, it, it, you know, but in other stuff. And then I don't think, I think Philip wants to have quote unquote, where he's kind of the main guy. And Phillips, I said, Philip is the biggest problem that they've got at Tennessee personally. I think that's the, that's the big issue, but it is, I do agree with you. He'd be a better fit at Tennessee because I think they would be, I think I, I tell you that would be where most of the people would want at, at Tennessee. And that doesn't make him the right fit, but I think he'd be a better fit with the Tennessee folks than he would be at Auburn where, you know, again, some may love him, some may hate him. And you know, that that's, that's difficult. And that's, that's the, that's the, that's the problem in hiring an Auburn coach. It's a little bit different. A couple of things to get to real quick. We don't have a lot of time, but we've got a minute. South Carolina does what we said last week they would do. Um, I think we were on top of this when the, the momentum early was on Billy Napier. It shifted very quickly to Shane Beamer. Shane Beamer now the, the new head coach at South Carolina. Just uh, your, your, your thoughts on, on that hire and that fit. Spurrier pushed it. Um, a lot of ex-players pushed it, and that's what got it done. Um, you know, certainly he had been there before. That's why they pushed it. He had relationships with them. Um, and so they uh, – look, I think they looked at Napier. First of all, they didn't see Hugh Free if Hugh Freeze was never in it. I, you know, because I said that's what I would do if I was South Carolina. It doesn't mean – that they were considering it because they never really were. They, they um, into it. They, they decided. Yeah, they just they just they, they yeah. didn't have the taste for it. I'm just going to tell you. No, they, no. They, they did not. They didn't have the. They didn't. They saw. They viewed that as too much distraction, and they just didn't. They never went far down that road at all. Um. No. And you know. So with that being the case, it really was. Um. In in you know Scott Satterfield got himself in a little trouble. They are very sensitive at Louisville, but coaches going behind the back. <laughs> uh, that's a that's another podcast, another time of day. Um, uh, in in and of itself. Um, so it it really came clearly Napier, and and I think a couple of things. Um, they felt like it was close, and I think because it was close, and there was the pull from within from former players at South Carolina that had developed relationships with Shane when he was there. Uh, the support of Spurrier backing him, which, you know, I Spurrier back much champ too, but, but Spurrier still has a lot of respect and within it. That was the difference. In other words, it was, they didn't think, you know, when Napier's up here and Beamer, they, they, they thought it was close and yeah, Napier's got coaching experience, but you know, so that's how they made their decision. I can tell you that I got a, uh, um, at um, a tech Saturday morning that, that Billy was meeting again with South Carolina, Billy Napier. And he really badly wanted the job. He, um, and I always feel bad because that was, it, it was I, going into it for both of them. I, I knew one of them was going to really get hurt. You know, it's like a, a, a episode of the bachelorette, you know, because it was like both of them really wanted the job because Shane wanted that. That was kind of yeah. like his dream job. And that was Billy's, you know, you know, his wife. It, it's unique because in addition to my normal context, he is the next door neighbor to my gotcha, uh, Billy and his wife. 
And so they were, you know, they, she didn't want to go to Starkville. He didn't, you know, last year, but she's, you know, was an athlete at Furman. He was an athlete at Furman coaching brother coach going back to South Carolina was something I think they wanted. And, um, and, uh, so, South Carolina took both South Carolina took both Napier and Beamer to the fantasy suite before making a decision. <laughs> there you go. But only one got the rolls. So <laughs> I, you know, I'm, um, and then I, you know, I knew Saturday early, this was coming. And then I kept hearing, um, you know, when I had, when I had that and his, you know, any, any, he, he, look, I'll be honest. He, he told me, so I, I think, I think I can get it. And I'm like, well, okay, well, maybe things that maybe he flipped, but I was like before the meeting, I'm like, okay. And then, uh, but I had kind of heard it was Shane. And then, I mean, this was like in the, in the morning and it was, I think it was like maybe noon or something that, that Billy put the famous, oh, it's flattering to be considered, but you know, I'm, um, we got something great going on in Louisiana Lafayette. And, and, uh, so, uh, anyway, that's, uh, we're, I'm going to get into a little bit more details at LandryFootball.com of how that played out as well as some, uh, some Vanderbilt stuff that we're going to get to as well. That'll be good stuff. Let's talk about Vanderbilt real quick. I'm hearing Jamie Chadwell's getting that job. Uh, yeah. By the way, uh, Spartan Barton brought up something and this is a little bit annoying. It did help that Shane Beamer was a little bit cheaper. He had no buyout. Yeah, and then and then you know the 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 little cheaper part is, and I don't think they hired him on the cheap, folks. I think they liked them both. Mm-hmm. They had to push from within. And oh, by the way, we can get them cheaper. Um, I'm I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go ahead. What, what did you say about uh, oh, uh, Jamie Chadwell? Yeah, look, um. Look, I talked to Clark Lee. I don't know what he's I, – I, I I, just – I think that – I hope that he doesn't make that mistake. And he, look, if he, and I say a mistake. If he wants to go there, that's his school, that's fine. I just think it's a – I think it's a career ender potentially. Very little chance that you can get it – make it a stepping stone. Some have, but most don't. Um, Your Chad- Jamie, if Jamie, you- Jamie Chadwell – is the type of guy that thinks he can go to Vanderbilt and do something at Vanderbilt. Nobody's ever, I mean, he's that type. Yeah, I so, I mean, I think he's, well, let me ask this. Uh, he's the type of guy that's going to go there and then he's going to, he's going to get there and go say, rut roll. So let me ask you this. So, so if you're, if you're advising Chadwell, are you telling, are stay you there? Stay there because don't, look, don't take this. Hold on. He's an East Tennessee guy. Tennessee's got a real shot to open up. I would think he a year from now would be on if if he could maintain some momentum at Coastal Carolina. I would think a year from now he would be on the short list at Tennessee. Would you advise him to take that gamble and 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 hang tight there in in South Carolina for another year? Yeah, because there's some other things that would interest him. I mean, I think he'd be very interested in. Um, I, I don't know that he would. Uh, you know, if Dave Doran leaves, I think he'd love to go to NC State. I think he'd love. You know, I mean, I mean probably not Duke and wake and Duke's going to, you know, cut is not far away from handing it over. Sure. Uh, wake is set, but and I think there are other options. I, I think he's smart enough to know that Vanderbilt's tough job, but here's the thing, just cause you hear the names, they all like to have their names associated with it. And then they could always pull it out. It does help because you think these presidents and athletic directors are on top of everything. A lot of them are not. And a lot of them go on the idea of, man, 
Vanderbilt was interested. So-and-so was interested. I read where Tennessee might be interested down the road. So it, it helps you in the uh, the public perception of what is a good PR sale. Because a lot of what athletic directors and chancellors and people do is they think about how it's going to react PR-wise. I think they think too much of that. You know, and I think sometimes they make a mistake doing that, but I think they do look at that. So I, I look, I'm Vanderbilt's an SEC job. No, I'm sorry. It is a job in the SEC, but it's not an SEC job. And so I think that's, that's the issue. And I would not, I would really steer away from it unless I didn't have another option. But I, I don't know. Jamie may be the type that egos enough to think he can make a difference there. I don't know. I, don't think he's going to consider it, but we'll see. Save the biggest story for last year. Um, Louisiana Monroe moved on from uh, Viator yesterday. I know. I, I have thought a, about you. I have applied for the job uh, via Twitter. Um, I, I'm an alum. I have deep family ULM. ULM. Um, if you were advising the people at ULM, how much money would you advise that they give me? I, I really would break the bank. I would really look at maybe downsizing all the programs on campus and maybe cutting out, I don't know, maybe a third of the majors and just cutting off departments. I mean, do you really need math? Um, you know, you know I, I think I'd cut it down and I'd put all emphasis on upgrading facilities. And um, I'm thinking, you know, uh, really solid seven figures. I, I really am, you know, deep into that. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking shock everybody break the bank. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think too. I mean, you don't need math. Everybody's got a phone, right? That's right. And, and, and you got to calculate things on the phone. You don't need to bring your pocket. Cal- you, don't need that. you don't need that. I think it's highly overrated. I think that would be really good and just build it on facilities. You know, everybody talks about, you know, that football is the front porch to the, to the house of yep. uh, the internet. You, do you really need the house? If your front porch looks, looks great. <laughs> Maybe just hang out there. You know, I just, I just say, Neil, I, you know, I'm thinking somewhere between Saban and Harbaugh is what I was thinking for you. Yeah, I can live with that. Yeah. You know what? You know, what? I'm, I'm going to do this. Something that the agents would tell me never to do this, Chris. I'm going to give ULM a hometown discount. I'm I'm going to ask for half of Saban's money. That's it, half, because my heart will pay me the other half. There you go, I and mean, that's good. And maybe maybe even save the math department. <laughs> yeah, what a, what a humanitarian you are. I don't even think I don't think we need math in Monroe, and I don't think we need reading <laughs> and writing in Monroe. I mean, everything's on audio. Uh, we're going to get the calls from your hometown. I know it. All right, we didn't even get to the games uh, coming up this week. I'll just tell you real quick that we'll talk about it on Friday. We'll get you ready for uh, Alabama at Arkansas, Georgia at Missouri, which actually could be an entertaining game, Tennessee at Vanderbilt, if it happens. I've got my doubts. LSU at Florida, which Kyle Trask going for the Heisman against that secondary. Uh, And then uh, Auburn at Mississippi State, which – I will tell you, I, there's a part of me that thinks that's going to be a really competitive football game on on Saturday night. Maybe I'm wrong, but we'll, we'll yeah. 
We'll talk about it Friday. Mississippi State's kind of played a little better lately, and Auburn's in a weird spot right there. So I got I got some I got some wonders about where that game goes. But uh <laughs> Grind says my heart is very rich. See? There you go. There you go. There you go. We'll get to some of your questions there too. Um uh, after if I can figure out how to do that. So Spartan Martin, what type of expected what type of recruits expected Vanderbilt to boost this fans? Uh <laughs> they don't have a very uh a, a eclectic curriculum. They've just got only a few things you can study there. And it's I think it's a sell for the really good student, but it is tough to recruit there, particularly with facilities so bad. It's it it, it shows a lack of emphasis into football, which it clearly is there. Yeah, and the the deal with um, Sarah Fuller has created some issues inside that that team that's got to get addressed. No matter what you think of that story, whether you think it's the most great thing in the world, or whether you think it's a publicity stunt, or whether you fall somewhere in between, the people that are uh, that play that put that uniform on that are trying to finish a season they 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 were not they were not in love with the way that that played out and the way that it's still playing out, and that was one of the big reasons, quite frankly, that the game at Georgia last weekend didn't happen. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll break it there. We'll be back with you on Friday morning. Thanks to everybody in the chat, uh, Matt Browning and Ben Leslie and Grind and Spartan Barton. Great job, guys. Bunch Man, of, awesome. A lot of fun. We'll uh, be back on Friday. So until, um, until then, for uh, Chris Landry, I'm Neil McCready. Take care. Stay safe. Talk to you then. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.